the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're looking at the art of preparing for worship. And preparing? Yeah, preparing for worship. Join us. Abounding Grace is next with Pastor Gary Wagner. think about it, we prepare for just about anything and everything. Seldom, apart from maybe a rushed dinner, do we just go fly off the cuff. Ours is a life of preparation, yet when it comes to worship, we don't give it much thought, do we? Yet God says to prepare our hearts as we come before him. So how do we do that, and what does it look like? That's what we're exploring today on Abounding Grace as we continue our series on worship. Preparation for Worship. Here's Pastor Gary with today's program. We are now on our fifth week considering the topic of worship. We have seen so far that God should be worshipped simply because He is God. But He also deserves to be worshipped and He demands to be worshipped. We have seen there is no greater priority for God than His own worship. We have seen that God will not accept our worship if there are broken relationships between man and God because of our sin. God will not accept our worship when we are at odds with one another, much less will He accept it when we are at odds with Him. We also saw last week, I trust, that great preparation is necessary for a duty so sacred as the worship of God, because I have, as I have said every single week since I started this series, there is no activity more noble that man is capable of performing than that of worshiping our glorious God. Today, we shall look at the propriety of worship. We sang earlier that great hymn, O Worship the King. Do you tru- did you truly listen to the words of that hymn? O worship the King, all glorious above. O gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Majestic, regal, kingly words to be sure. But it has been my experience that the nature of much that passes for worship these days is not majestic and not fitting for a human king, let alone the king of all kings. Let me give you a quote from a very, very evangelical Anglican bishop from the 18th century, William Beveridge. He said this about worship. 
To sanctify the Lord is nothing else but to express our acknowledgement of His sanctity or holiness. That is, of His supreme excellency, power, and supreme imminency over us and in all the world. But how can we possibly do this if we behave ourselves in His presence as if He were our fellow creature? Is this to worship Him? Is this to celebrate His power and glory? Is this to sanctify Him when we draw nigh to Him? How can that man be said to sanctify the Lord of hosts and be praying to Him who dares at the same time to sit as confidently before Him and talk as impudently and or boldly to Him as if He, God, was but His fellow man? If you ever desire to manifest yourself to be holy indeed, he says, whenever you converse with the Most High God in His sacred ordinances, you must be sure to behave yourselves with a shamefacedness and modesty, with that reverence and humility as become those who believe themselves to be in the presence of the Supreme Being of the world. For otherwise, whatever pretenses you make to holiness, you may be confident that you are not as holy as God has commanded you to be holy in all matter of conduct. For if you are not holy in your conduct towards God, and if you are not holy in this, you can be sure you are holy in nothing." End quote. Words more than 200 years old, but every bit as penetrating in our day as they were in the 1700s. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. What is there about your worship that is worthy of one who is all-glorious, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise, Think how you have prepared for this worship today. Think how you have come here for worship. Think how you have set before worship and think how you have been attentive or inattentive as the case may be in your worship today thus far. And ask yourself, is what I have offered to God worthy of one who is our shield and defender? the King all-glorious above, the Ancient of Days, one who is pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise, then remind yourself that the essence of worship is to give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto His name. Anything less, my friends, is irreverence, and I believe an insult to God. I want us all to see that God demands that we treat him with the deepest of respect. We saw the question in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, Where is my honor? Where is my respect? And in the context, he was talking to the priest, but it was also meant for the people. In verse 14, he said, But cursed be the swindler, who has a male in his flock and vows it, 
but sanctifies a blemished animal. Remember what I said last week. The people of God were called to give the best of their flocks, and they would vow to do so. But when it came time for the offering, they would bring an old, diseased lamb that was about to die anyway. They weren't about to bring God something that would really cost them something. What they were doing was offering God their leftovers. Beloved, as I'm sure you know, we are to give our master our best. Not our leftovers, not what is convenient, but our very best. Anything less than that, God says, where is my honor? In fact, in verse 14 of Malachi 1, God says, I am a great king, and my name is feared among the nations. And I believe the implication is there that he is more feared among the nations than by those who call him by his name. Turn to Leviticus 10 for just a minute, verses 1 through 3. In this passage, we have the frightening story of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron who took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on them and offered strange fire unto the Lord, which Scripture says, God had not commanded them. Beloved, they were not guilty of doing something God had told them not to do. It was not a case of God saying, you must not do this. This was a situation where they did something that God had not commanded them to do. They took their own initiative in worship. They decided to freelance a bit. And what happened? Fire came out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Sons of the priest... Preachers' kids, if you will. They were seminary graduates with all the rights and privileges pertaining thereunto. Wouldn't you think God would cut them a little slack if they decided to just be a bit innovative? And they obviously got caught up in the excitement of worship. But they did something God had not told them to do in His worship, and God killed them. And then Moses and Aaron came in and Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said, Aaron, I will be sanctified or treated as holy by those who draw near to me and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron kept silent. God demands respect And he says, I will have it even if it means I have to kill the priest to get it. But no one is going to come in here and take the worship of me nonchalantly. In Leviticus chapter 19, God says, you shall keep my Sabbath. 
But then he says, on that Sabbath, you shall reverence my sanctuary, for I am the Lord. And there's no division there, beloved. Now turn to 1 Kings 9, because I really want you to see the inference of this. 1 Kings 9, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. Now listen carefully. I have hallowed or consecrated this house, the Lord's house, which thou hast built, to put my name there forever. How long is that, beloved? Are we still in that time today? And he says, And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And how long is that? Forever. God is emphasizing the fact that wherever he meets with his people throughout all time, he shall be reverenced. There are reasons why the worship of God in the house of God is something special. And one reason is that God has placed his name in the church forever, his eyes and his heart among his people perpetually. In Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17, Jacob says, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. This is none other but the house of God. And then he gives it this name. This is the gate of heaven. This is the most wonderful, lovely, majestic, and endearing term for God's house in all of Scripture. This is the gate of heaven. But you might be saying, Gary, this is just boards. This is just drywall. It's just bricks. This is just the making of man's hands. And certainly this is true. However, remember about the story of Moses and the burning bush. Let me put it this way. A bush is just a bush unless God is in the bush and then it becomes holy ground. Moses sees a bush on fire that isn't even actually burning. He walks up to the bush that was just a normal bush before and all of a sudden the bush speaks and says, take off your shoes for the ground you are standing on is holy. And what made that ground holy? The fact that God was in the bush. Now there is a certain sense in which this is just a building like all other buildings. But when we come here as God's people, we consecrate this house for the purpose of the corporate worship of His beloved children. And when we gather together to worship Him, he is here among us. Beloved, He is here now, dwelling in this building with us, listening to us worship Him. 
Some teach that there is no such thing as the house of God. They say that was an Old Testament concept, but now in the New Covenant, God dwells simply in our hearts, not in buildings made with hands. And they quote the verse in Acts 7. But in 1 Timothy 2 and 3, Paul spends two chapters instructing Christians how they ought to conduct themselves in the house of God. There is still something special and set apart about the place in which we worship. Now, God demands to be treated with respect. It is a sin, then, to slight God in His worship in any way. In Isaiah 29, 13, God condemns His people when He says, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. What is He saying? He is saying lip worship is no worship at all. If you come here and you say your prayers, you read the confession in union, you sing the hymns, but your heart is not here, you have not worshipped God at all. In fact, you have insulted God. In Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 30 it says, The children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. What did they do? Were they selling drugs out the back door of the church? Of course not. Were they charging admission to the worship service? No. It says, they have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. They were coming into the house of God with sinful hearts. I find it very interesting that in Mark 11, Jesus referred to the tabernacle as my house. He began to teach them, saying, my house is a house of prayer. Jesus called the place of worship my house, denoting that the place, people designate, place designated for people to worship God could still be thought as a place even though he knew that his spirit would dwell in human hearts. And there is no dichotomy here. In John chapter 2, Jesus said, You make my father's house a house of merchandise. He still called it my father's house. When we come here, to worship, we are coming to a place where our Lord truly dwells among us. Now, we have talked about people honoring God with their lips, but their heart being far from them. One writer asked this question, How empty would our churches be if there were no more bodies present then there are minds and hearts. Some of your bodies are merely here, but your minds and your hearts are somewhere else. And as far as God is concerned, you are not really here. And that is to disrespect and to slight God in His worship. Remember a couple of weeks ago, 
I brought up how the glory of the Lord filled the temple during the Old Testament worship service so that the priest wasn't even able to minister? You know, if the glory of the Lord filled the temple in the Old Covenant when worship was basically limited to the Israelites, how much more would it fill his house in the time of his new covenant, a time in which his grace has been spread among all nations, this being what Hebrews calls a better covenant? If he is in the midst of two or three gathered in his name, how much greater is his presence when an entire congregation gathers in his name? The problem is, I'm afraid, there may be 40 to 50 of us here in attendance, but possibly only a handful are truly gathered in his name. Why? Because our minds and our hearts are not here. Or because we have unrepentant sins, unrepentant sins or broken relationships unreconciled. Because we have not prepared ourselves to meet an almighty sovereign God in his worship. William Beveridge again says, Whenever you go into the house of the Lord, you must lay aside all other business and apply yourselves wholly to the duties of that holy place. You must keep your minds intent all the while upon him before whom you are and upon the work which he has there set before you. You must confess your sins heartily, receive his absolution faithfully, hear his word attentively, praise sincerely, praise him lustily and with good courage. And when you receive the Lord's Supper, you must do it with true repentance and that strong faith, that heavenly joy and thankfulness that is due to so great a Lord. Thus experiencing your souls continually in their holy and spiritual duties, you will be every day more and more prepared and fitted to live with him in heaven, there to enjoy and praise him forever, unquote. And that's all there is to be in heaven, beloved. Worship and praise. There is not going to be any dinners to prepare, which I'm sure your women are happy to hear. There's not going to be any Giants or 49ers game to watch, no computer games to play, no family get-togethers, no auto racing, no golf, no movie theaters to take your mind off of God. The only thing there is going to be in heaven is uninterrupted praise and worship. And if we are going to be fitted for heaven, he says, we need to spend more time, more energy, and more focus on worship and praise now, or we won't be prepared for our duties there. Now, some of you may be thinking that if that's all there's going to be going on in heaven, that I'm going to be awfully bored. And if that is what you're thinking then you haven't heaven in your heart, beloved. We can't be like the people in Acts 19.32 of whom it says, they did not know for what reason they had come together. They didn't know why they had come together to worship. 
They were only coming together because they came together last Sunday and the Sunday before that and the Sunday before that and that many had been doing all their lives. But their hearts were so far away. They knew not why they gathered together. So they came with nothing and they left with nothing. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.